Wah, wah. Wah. What is it? Wait. Which one is it first? What a beautiful name or with you? Okay. Oh, we're doing with you. the surface of my anxious imagination beckons a calmness that is found in Is the c- 
comfort of my soul There's nowhere I'd rather be When you're singing over me I just wanna be During the bridge, the bridge, not gonna lie, my, my throat was like dying. So I, I went into falsetto. Didn't really sound very good. Thank you guys. That was wonderful. Wonderful. And what good and exciting times these are for folks here in Mason and for this congregation. We're glad you're here today and glad you're a part of this church. And uh, welcome, welcome to worship. I encourage you to be a part of all that is being done here And we certainly do anticipate the day when God will move and reveal with this search committee uh, his choice for a very blessed man who will be coming to lead and be your pastor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God, thank you for the beauty of this day. And it is a beautiful day because we, your people, get together together and to worship you and and to experience the growth of of our young people and those who work with them and people who care about hurting people. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for this congregation and its long history of service and love to you building the kingdom of God, 
not only in this community, but around the world. And Lord, I, I pray that you continue to bless, lift, inspire, share yourself in abundance with these who are on the Pastor Search Team Committee. Would you hold them close to you? Would you remind them that we pray daily for them and lift them to you? And would you reveal to them, guide them for the coming of a pastor and will rejoice? But Father, in the meantime, we want to be about your business. And so we meet today, we pray that you would speak to each of our hearts the very need that we have and that we would hear, we would apply, and we would live it out. We dare to ask it in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our children who so desire may go to Children's Church at this time, and away they go. And I'll invite you to open your own copy of the Word of God and keep it open there to 1 Peter chapter 2. This morning we begin reading in verse 13, and we'll read through verse 25. This indeed is the Word of God. It speaks to all of us, perhaps more directly to we Americans, and maybe more directly to we Baptist Christians, because we tend to be an honorary, independent lot. Hear the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and following. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that you by doing right may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, Fear God, honor the king, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. 
For you've been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in turn. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds you were healed. For you were continuously straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. May God add his blessing to this, the reading of his word. How many of you had never once in all your life been treated unfairly or unjustly? I see not a hand. How many of you have never had anybody say anything not so good about you behind your back? How many of you have ever felt, well, sort of put down? How do you handle those kind of things? For most of us readily see that sometimes life is just not fair. In fact, if you've raised children, you've heard that expression, life isn't fair, or that's not fair. And strangely enough, you find that really among the characters in the Bible. David, for instance... Remember how he slayed the giant and saved Israel from the Philistines? And then in the popular sayings, I suppose in the country, uh, they, they were saying Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands and Saul didn't like that. And for ten years, King Saul tried to put David out of the way. What on earth is fair about that? Or how about Joseph? Joseph did not ask his father to make him the favorite of the brothers. But he did. I don't know that Joseph was ever consulted about that coat of many colors, but you remember that the jealousy rose up in the family. And through no fault of his own, Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. What's fair about that? And even much of what happened to him in Egypt was not fair, was not right. And yet Joseph managed to keep on going. We could talk about Job. We could talk about most of the prophets. 
who standing and proclaiming the word of God often had to suffer for that. What on earth is fair about that? Now, how are you going to react when you're treated unfairly? How are you going to react when folks don't see you for all you may be worth and you may be worth far more than they see? What on earth do you do? Chuck Swindoll in his book on hope out of 1 Peter says that most of us have one of three responses. The first response to unfairness may be the aggressive pattern. That is, we blame others. Uh, We have that adage we sometimes live by, don't get mad, get even. Boy, that'll win. Uh, And Swindoll tells an interesting story about a man who got bit by a rabid dog. And he went to his doctor They did the test. The doc came out and said, it's true, you have rabies. And the man pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket and began to write. And the doctor looked at him and said, you don't need to write your will now. The shots work. We can heal rabies. He said, doc, I'm not writing my will. I'm writing my list of people I want to bite. Do you have a list of people you'd like to bite? It's seldom really helpful. The second pattern is sometimes called a passive pattern. Uh, We feel sorry for ourselves. Why is it always happening to me? Why do people do that to me? It's just not right. Life just just isn't fair. And then Swindoll talks about the holding pattern, and he says this may be the most danger at all. I, I usually call it the stuffing pattern. We kind of stuff it inside us. Live feeling persecuted. And then at the most inopportune times, like a gigantic volcano, it just explodes. And we may do something we're later sorry for. We may say things we don't really mean and we wish later we haven't said. We just mess things up. What do you do when life treats you unfair? Well, There's a better way. Peter is talking about the living hope that we have in Christ as we've seen and heard and and prayed about. And, And here he begins. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake for every human to every human institution, whether to a king as to the one in authority or to governors, as sent 
by him for the punishment of evildoers and praise of those who do not do right. Submit to those who are in authority. Now, keep in mind what that meant to these first century Christians. As best we know, if Peter, if our traditional dating of Peter is correct, they were living under the Neronian persecution. Remember that Nero had burned Rome and blamed the Christians for it. Remember that Nero sometimes got the Christians and dressed them in the skins of wild animals and put them there in the gladiatorial arena and let the wild animals who had been fed and sometimes loose there to rip them apart in, in their persecution. Remember that, that Nero was sometimes known to take their corpses in and soak them in oil and light them so they would provide light for the events in the, in, in the arena. He was a scoundrel. Nothing about him was right. But he was an absolute authority. You did not vote to elect him. There were no debates about him. What he said was law. And in that kind of situation, they are told to submit. Strange request, isn't it? It's not 100% totally applicable. I'll get that word out in a minute. To us, because we do live in a democracy and we do have certain amount of rights. But generally, when we get in the position of demanding our rights, we place ourselves in a certain amount of danger. We're not good at submission and honor. Now, what does Peter say and see that's the most important for the believer alive, even in the most difficult of times? He wants them to understand that it's not so much about their rights, nor so much about their having it easy in life, as it is about their making known the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is really important is making men aware that the Savior has come into the world, as we're going to see in a moment, and has borne the sins of humanity on the cross, and that all who come to Him find life. So everything that we do in this life if Jesus indeed is our king, is aimed at our making him known. So have a look there at verse 15. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Christians were hardly understood in that first century world and we have our problems with that today. Remember that they often were thought of as a secret society, a secret sect. Remember that they were always also thought about as 
cannibals because in their sacred meal they talked about eating flesh and drinking blood. They were thought of as people who practiced incest because they talked about greeting with a holy kiss. They were thought about being insurrectionists, often accused of being disloyal to the Roman government, the Roman Empire, to their own government, because they talked about the kingdom of God being preeminent, a new kingdom, the kingdom that would last forever. And the Romans had no interest in a kingdom other than the kingdom of Rome. Anything else was seen as a rival of that. How are they to live? Were they to live in submission in order that they might win the right to be heard and gain respect hearing the word of God in their world? You know, we... we need to hear that today and do. I remember in Dallas, our, our church had 28 missions at one time. We had buildings all over town that we were building or buying and remodeling. Someone from the government always telling us how to do that. Somebody from the government, from the government telling us how many parking spaces we had to have or how many people we're going to have inside those buildings. Uh, They would come around to tell us that we had to have these uh, exit signs. Uh, I look over here, and you don't have any here. Your fire marshal, oh, is there one over there? Yeah, I can't see it. Thank you. Uh, That's part of being a good citizen. And we live in this rather interesting time of fighting this this coronavirus. This, and we have so many disagreements about what we ought to do. But 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 the truth is that if we're going to be citizens of this country, that that what is suggested to us by health authorities and and our authorities who know these things, we ought to strive to be obedient to that. To, to have a, a, a good hearing, a good conscience among our people in our world. We Baptists have long been interested in children, and we have these child care institutions like Buckner and South Texas Children's Home and Texas Baptist Children's Home and so on and so on. But we operate under the authority of the state, and so we submit to that because we want to be a good example. Now, Peter goes on with that. He says in verses 16 and and 17 there, listen to this. Act as free men, and yet do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. The New Testament writers spoke of themselves as slaves. And it's the same word that always means a bought and paid for slave. But a slave of Jesus Christ. A bondservant. In our world, with all of its struggles and difficulties, we come to fall so deeply in love with Jesus 
that we want to count for him in everything that we do. That ought to be the guiding principle of our lives. We are his slaves. Hear his call as he reaches out to us. And then in verse 17, look at his command to people just like you and me. Honor all people. Honor all people. I wonder if that even means those who call those robocalls. Gee. Honor all. Love the brotherhood in the church. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. The call comes to us over and over and over again. We dare not get away from it. It is a goppy love that has its beginning in the mind, in the commitment to God, and reaches out to one another. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. We saw last week, that's the awe of God, the respect of God, and yes, honor the king. And then he gets into this interesting example for us. Servants or slaves, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows while suffering unjustly. What do we do with that in our world today? Well, some things you must know about first century slavery. William Barclay in his daily Bible study series says that in Rome, in the kingdom, the Roman Empire, there were about 60 million slaves in the first century. It's interesting, they had very little in common with slavery as we have known it. In our country, the Romans said, Well, if you're going to conquer the world, you may as well get some benefit out of it. And so the slaves, in many cases, were the teachers, the lawyers, uh, the accountants, the mentors rearing the children of the wealthy. It's interesting, the pathway to citizenship in the Roman Empire that was quickest if you wanted to become a Roman citizen, and Paul certainly proved that it was quite advantageous to be a Roman citizen. The quickest way to citizenship was to sell yourself as a slave and then work to pay that out. Slaves were required to get an education, and by the way, they seldom remained a slave past the age of 30. Now, they were still slaves. They still had somebody telling them what to do. They still could not marry. They were forced to cohabit, and their offspring belonged to their owner. It was no picnic being a slave, but it was indeed different. If... The early church, if the early Christians were already 
accused of insurrection to the Roman Empire, <clears throat> the way they handled this issue became extremely, extremely delicate. They understood that in Christ they were free men and they had a new sense of freedom. And the call of Peter is use your freedom for making a difference for the gospel and touching the lives of men and not for demanding your rights. And not only is this true for those who are fair-minded and treat you well, but it is true for those who are not so fair-minded and treat you not so well. Now, I think in the mind of God, slavery is wrong. And I remind you that though it took way too long, it was ultimately Christian people who finally did away with the institution of slavery. And I will tell you that all lives matter to God. White lives, lives, black lives and brown lives, and so on and so forth. And might I say, all babies in the womb matter to God. But if you're talking about a kind of rebellion that leads to anarchy itself, or a kind of rebellion that leads to rioting and looting and even death and pain in the streets, you're talking about something that is outside the bounds of the will of God there comes a call to us Christians to submit to those who are in authority. Have a boss? Well, everybody has one or more. The pastor usually has a lot of them. Some are good and some not so much. How do you, how do you relate to them? Submission. And then Peter says... As I wind here, what good is if, you, if you're persecuted for persecution you deserve if you handle it well? If you steal and are caught and find yourself in jail and handle jail well, what good is that? What testimony is there? But when you face evil, when you face slander, when you face difficulty, and you handle that with the grace of God in Christ, the operation of the grace of God in Christ in your life speaks a testimony to others. That's verse 20. You want to know. And then Peter says, look at your best example. You've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. He committed no sin. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body upon the cross so that he might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. You want to be like Jesus? 
and live like Jesus. Love. Forgive. Don't hold a grudge. Don't bite. Be like Him. And what is the result? You were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. If you have a boss that takes advantage of you, you have the choice of leaving quietly or submitting. We're called to do that in order to make all the difference we can be in our world. It's not about me. It's about him. Pray. Pray specifically for your enemies. Do good to them who despitefully use you. He who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes unto the Father but by me, said that. And the strongest among us The most hopeful among us are those who can face adversity with hope and peace and joy. Father, you ask of us what in our basic nature is impossible. That which we can only do in the power of your Spirit as we entrust ourselves to you. Father, you would not have put these words in your word if they were not important for us to hear. So help us hear them well. Help us hide them in our heart so that we might not sin against you and so that we might have an ever more powerful, winning witness in our world. For after all, it's not the skirmishes that need to be won. It's the souls of men. It's drawing on the hope we have in Christ. May that be ever so, in his name, amen. Our band is going to lead us again in singing in just a moment. But it's a time when God might have something very special for you to do. Have you ever had that awesome joy of looking at your Lord and saying, my Lord and my God. Nobody can make that decision for you but you.
If that's you today, I'd love to meet you here at the front and help you know today that you know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe God is calling you to be a member of this church. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you need prayer. We'd love to help you with that. But it's a time to ask God to help you live for Him in the midst of a very, very difficult world. So let's stand together. The band's going to lead us. I'll meet you here at the front. found in you alone it washes over every doubt every imperfection Jesus your presence is the comfort of my soul there's no singing 
school tonight and that the leader of it is one of our fine deacons here uh, the man back here with the gorgeous legs and uh, thank you for what you do and what you mean to this community thank you I love to kid him about that and I shouldn't do that here particularly after my sermon all right. Now, they're going to sing again uh, as we're dismissed, but you, you may want to hang around and let them and, and hear them and be sure and attend tonight if you can. If not, pray for them in that field of faith. Now, let's go trusting in Christ and let's make sure all of our reactions to whatever comes our way are controlled by Him. And what a better, better world it will be. Thank you. Let's hear from you again.